And welcome to another edition of Across the County. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me. Well, I knew on this weekend's edition, I wanted to talk about the unrest going on in the nation. But I also wanted a different perspective than what you're going to hear in the mainstream media. Because it's very slanted, if you ask me. And it's also considered a two-sided issue. And I really believe it's much more than that. So I had an opportunity to come across my desk. And I thought that getting Pastor Philip DeCourcy on, who you all know here on K-Praise would be a blessing for everybody. And he's on Know the Truth, which you can hear Monday through Friday on this great radio station from 6.30 to 7 in the morning and also on my block of the evening programs from 9.30 to 10 in the evening. Of course, pastor of Kindred Community Church and teacher on Know the Truth, Pastor Philip DeCourcy. Welcome, my friend. It's good to have you for the first time. I'm hiding under a rock somewhere, but I finally got a hold of you. No, it's good to join you as we stalked offline. Twenty years since you, you you've been there, and not we haven't talked. So it was a it was a meeting that was uh, destined to happen, and it's uh, great to join you in the audience of Caprius. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Well, I know you have some unique perspective on this entire situation, and I want to start there because you come from obviously Belfast, Ireland, grew up in a Christian home, and they really just instilled the Lord in you from an early age. The age of 16, I believe, is when you gave your life to Christ. And then, you know, you had so many blessings coming over here to America. We talked about off the air the diverse culture that you grew up in, and, you know, what a blessing that's been. How is Ireland's history and what you also experienced with the police force, you were, you know, um, so uh, wrapped up in in law enforcement. Can you relate that to what's going on today here in America? Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't connect all the dots, but look, you know, Ecclesiastes said there's nothing new under the sun. And, and, um, you know, uh, division and lawlessness and conflict is sadly part of the human experience. It's not, it's not an American, um, you know, experience or what we're dealing with is a uniquely American sin. I mean, we, we've got to think as Christians, knowing biblically and theologically mm. that, you know, the, the, that when man sinned, it brought division between, uh, you know, earth and heaven on the vertical, and it brought division between man and man uh, on the horizontal. And we see before long brothers rising up against brothers in the book of Genesis. So, so, so you know, it, it's universal. It's challenging. I do see some kind of flashbacks to Northern Ireland in that, you know, those who are out to make trouble, and there seems to be too many of them in our culture today, it, it, it has flashbacks to the fact that the IRA and their supporters in Belfast, they, they created chaos, which brought about conflict with law enforcement, which sometimes brought about tra- tragedies or, uh, or accidental deaths um, in the middle of all of that, which then perpetuated their narrative of chaos. And, and there was a cycle of violence that Northern Ireland took a long time to get out of. And I I fear I see that. I mean, we go from a tragic death, it looks to me like an un- certainly an unlawful death on the part of this police officer, from what I can see. The court will finally determine that in what he did to George Floyd. But somehow we've gone from that incident, which some have tied to other things, but we've gone from that to mayhem on the street. We've gone, uh, we've seen people 
deliberately provoke the police. That's not protesting, that's provocation. Uh, when you're in a policeman's face, you're throwing projectiles. And I saw that happening and unfolding on, on, on the streets of Northern Ireland as a police officer. And, and my heart certainly goes out to the Floyd family, but my heart goes out to other families that have lost lives since that incident. We've had several police officers killed. We've had a couple of assassinations take place. That's another kind of connection, though, to Northern Ireland, that after a while, you know, there was targeted assassinations of police officers. I was more likely to be killed off duty than on duty, and I hope that day never comes for law enforcement. But we've got the doxing of police families. So I'm beginning to see, you know, some parallels we've got. In, In Belfast, there was a time when no-go areas were established uh, in areas of Belfast where people didn't accept British rule. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what have we got? I know it's, in some degree it's a bit laughable, and the other side is very serious, where we have six blocks in a United States city called Seattle where people have declared themselves autonomous. And we, and we have weak political leaders telling the police to stand down and vacating a police station. So, yeah. I see parallels. Um, at the same time, I want to draw back and see it as a, a bigger theological issue that, man, uh, I, I do believe ultimately the, the real answer is the gospel. Uh, we reconcile to God, we'll reconcile to each other. That's the beauty of the church, that we are one in Christ, and there's Amen. neither male nor female, or, or slave nor free. And so, uh, you know. But yeah, there's parallels. I'm concerned greatly about what's happening, and my heart goes out to police officers. The smearing and the scapegoating's got to stop. Yeah, I agree. You know, I hear so many people, some of them even friends, that tell me, well, you need to pick a side. You either pick the side of the police, or you pick the side of Black Lives Matter. And I always remember what my good Christian mentor, David Spoon, once taught me, and the only perspective that matters is that you stay top-center, meaning that you always stay unbiased with what God would want you to do. And for me, that means looking at the situation with peace and unity and understanding and love and teaching God's love. And it's not about going out there and, you know, taunting the police. And it's not about, you know, um, saying that the police are wrong for even slightly pushing back because they're trying to defend people. But it's about trying to get people to understand exactly what is going on. And as you just said, you can't do that without the gospel. Yeah, on the other side, I mean, I tweaked that a little bit. We do need to have a conversation. Um, that, that will help. Uh, we need adults in the room, not screaming children on the street. Um, I agree. And, and certainly activists that are more anarchists and agitators. On the other hand, on, but we do, at this moment, I think we need to take sides with law enforcement. Then we can get back to the conversation. I mean, credit to him, you know, George Floyd's brother stood up and said to the crowd, what you're doing, you're not doing on our behalf. This has become something more. And there's, I think there's a political agenda. I agree. Um, you know, the statement, Black Lives Matter, well, who's going to disagree with that? All lives matter, Black Lives Matter. Sure they do. Um, that's a true statement, but it's a false narrative. And the false narrative is that law enforcement is hunting black men in greater numbers than other ethnicities or groups in the United States. And the reading I've done, I can always be corrected, but the reading I've done, if you read a book like 
war on cops by Heather McDonald. That's just not true. Um, you know, 93% of, of the, the murders of black people is done by other black people. Mm. Now, now, we've got to address the 7%, and there may be an element of that that includes law enforcement. Now, acting improperly, but well, could we could we just regain our perspective? Could we understand that in perhaps a year there may be ten million arrests, and we're getting down to looking at maybe five disputable shootings uh, with regards to the black community and the police? That's fifteen too many. But but we are losing our collective minds. We are so at this point. I'm of the opinion. We do need to side with the police. We need to get law and order back. And then the adults in the room, and, and, and we've got to get politicians who divide us have got to step out of the way. And community leaders and politicians and others sit down. Let's hear where our fellow Americans are hurting and where there's a just cause. Let ad- let's address that. But sidelining the police scapegoating the police, that's the path to anarchy, not justice. I agree 100%. And uh, I, as I said, being top center is, is, is how I try to understand the situation. But don't get me wrong. Get I, I, I am, yes, I am 1,000% on the side of the police. They do so much good across this nation to keep our country safe. And you even yep. see certain situations out there, Pastor, where you'll have people protesting against the police and, you know, saying that they, you know, justice needs to be done. And then some civil unrest breaks out. And 30 seconds later, they're calling for the help of the police, which wouldn't be there if what their eventual goal is for some of these people, they want to defund the police. That's not going to work. That's going to make this yeah. thing a whole lot and worse. Was, and there, you know, I said to our congregation after this incident, my first impulse, and it's a good impulse as a Christian, is to love. Amen. And, and, and to play the good Samaritan and to identify and sympathize. But I can't let that only be my impulse. I've got to speak the truth in love, and I've got to love with truth. And, and you know, again, a little controversial here, hopefully not too much. I, I agree. Who doesn't? Black lives matter. But when I dig into that statement, when I dig into the movement that that stands for, count me out. Because that's a political movement. It's an anarchistic movement. If Christians who I think sometimes naively get drawn into this, they need to go and look at what black lives stand for. They do stand for the defunding and abolition of the police. They do stand for uh, the the, the progression of LBGD rights. They do stand for the idea that America is irrevocably broken and needs to be torn down. So so I have a problem with that. And I I hope people in the African-American community can help me and put a distance between that movement, which I believe doesn't represent many of my fellow African-Americans who've shared with me their personal experience. I've listened to fellow pastors. I want to hear that. I want, to, I want our country to be better than that. But this isn't the movement to do it. And, and the wrong people have the microphone. And, and, you know, law-abiding citizens need to stand behind law enforcement. We need to take our streets back. And then adults need to sit in the room and let's 
make this country better than it is, but let's keep moving towards a brighter future together. And I think some people are taking note of what you just said, that the fact that as a statement, Black Lives Matter, yes, I 100% agree, but it's more than that with what's going on. It is a political movement. You're seeing some black families, some black uh, that have these businesses that are destroyed, and they're outraged because they say, hey, if black lives really matter, why did you just destroy my business? So because it's about a political agenda, it's not about really about the fact that black lives do matter. That's, that's right. And, and uh, black lives matter. And historically, they've had to deal with disadvantage. And I think our country has made strides both lawfully and, and practically. Um, you know, I, I, I'll make an argument, uh, not that it's the panacea, but if you can get back before Corona, if you can get back before um, all of this trouble and the tragic uh, death of this man, um, you know, the, 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 the president's administration had one brought fundamental uh, uh, justice reform, criminal and justice reform, yes. which hadn't been done in the last decade uh, under a black president, by the way. Then he established, and most people don't need, know this, I didn't until I listened to William Barr, on um, an interview recently, they established a police commission, the first since Lyndon Johnston, to address justified grievances. And everybody should celebrate that and clap that. And, 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 and law enforcement wants to be part of that. Um, that's different from tarring and feathering good men and women, the vast, vast majority. Then he has enterprise zones in inner cities, you know, historically low unemployment in the black community. We celebrate that and want more of that, those who have fallen behind the American dream. And then he wanted, wants to offer, which Democrats and, and school unions oppose. Uh, he wants to offer school vouchers so that a good family in a tough neighborhood can get their kid into a private school or a Christian school. Can we get back to doing that stuff and much more? Yeah, we definitely we, de- we definitely can, and people I think have already forgotten, or at least maybe haven't got a hold of the information. Trump has done so much for the black community. I mean, job job numbers are astounding. How he's bringing communities together. The fact that yes, there was already reform, as you mentioned, being done within the upper yep. echelons of the police department, but now we've forgotten about that because of the coronavirus. So now that we're well, we've forgotten at Corona, um, the tragedy and and. And illegality, it seems, of this man's death has, has lit a fire. Yes. But it's hard for me not, again, back to not being naive, the tribe of Issachar, understanding your times. There is a, a movement, and, 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 and I think the Black Lives Movement fit into this. It's a, it's a resistance to anything this president does. Uh, they want to create chaos. No matter what they it is. They don't want the narrative going out that we're making progress, because that goes against their narrative. And so there's there's ill there's ill afoot here. It's hard for me not to see that. Yeah. Do you agree with me? It seems like Trump could come out and say that the sky is blue, and then those organizations or political figures are going to say, no, he said it's it's blue. It's not blue. Sorry, you're wrong. Of course, you know. Of course, we've seen it for two years. It it should break our hearts. I'm not I'm not endorsing everything President Trump has said no. or done. No. But you, again, you, you, who wants to endorse any politician head to foot? But 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 his policies are good. They're prosperous. He's listened. He's brought change. I think this man, in many ways, is a pragmatist. 
a, a practical pragmatist. He's a businessman. Give him a good solution. Show him how it works. Show him how it benefits the country. And, and you know what? Um, I think he, he's up for listening. He's up for doing stuff. And, and you know, that's where I support him. And, and uh, you know, he's being demagogued. And here's the issue. The people that run these cities and the people that govern these communities and run the schools, these, these are the people um, who, who criticize him. But what about their accountability? Why is there such high crime in their areas? Why is there a 40% failure rate of young men in African-American communities in school? Mm. And, and they're, they're, they're demagoguing the president uh, because if you really look at them, they're the problem. They haven't delivered for their people. That's right. You they gotta, haven't delivered for their people. You got to look at the local level. You got to look at the mayors and the governors too, because states have so much freedom. And even where, the, unfortunately, this you know the George Floyd was was murdered, and it, it is horrific. You look at who is controlling the city and the state, and that really paints a much better picture than sure. you know j- just blaming the, pres- the reality president. Is they're not controlling anything. We have. I mean. I, I told our church a while ago in Ecclesiastes 8, I think it's verse 12, somewhere around there, the Bible warns us, uh, and this is where we need to get a little theological here, Noah. We need to understand the Bible's position isn't that man is predisposed to good. Hmm. Uh, man, Romans 3, none do good, no, not one. Apart from the grace of God and the restraining of government and family and the rest, man's, man runs swiftly to shed blood. And we've not been psychologized rather than theologized that there's such a word. And we have forgotten that man needs to be restrained. And we've got got governors and, and, and we've got police chiefs in some cities that don't believe in strong law enforcement. That's right. They, they, they live in la-la land, that if you let these people alone, they're okay. But Ecclesiastes 8 tells us, no, if, 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 if evil is not quickly punished, the evil heart grows. And, and you know, I've seen it in Northern Ireland, and I, and I think you can see it throughout world history. You know, it, um, when you feed the alligator, when you feed the crocodile, they end up, eating you. And that was Churchill's point, even with the appeasement against Germany. You know, they're feeding the crocodile and the crocodile's going to eat you. We've got to establish law enforcement and then get back to listening and and learning and loving with each other and, and fulfilling the American dream for a greater number of people. And let's be honest, I think historically we have to embrace the idea and it's a complicated issue, but many within the African-American community have been left behind, and we've got to help them catch up. You hit the nail right on the head, because we have to make sure that as a people, as the American people, that we're all able to be on that same level. For whatever reason that if any of the, the African-Americans have fallen behind, we need to give them that opportunity to come right alongside us and do it out of love. And yeah. at the same time... But it's collaborative, Noah. It yes, it is. It needs to be them looking at their own community. It needs to be the politicians that have been over those communities, and it needs to be their fellow Americans all collaborative working together. The name calling's got to stop. This, this, you know, um, painting the white community as one monolithic block, white supremacy, that's all got to stop. We're Americans. Let me, can I, can I insert this? You and I were talking Go ahead. off the air. Hopefully I've got a minute. Uh, let me help. Uh, maybe, maybe that's too, too optimistic. I came here in 1994. 
And I just want to help Americans of all stripes and colors to understand that for me, the United States has been a, a culturally and racially enriching experience. I mean, I came from Northern Ireland. You talked about, again, the sin issue. There was, there was very little minority communities in Northern Ireland, but mostly all white, but we find a way to fight each other. That's the human heart. It's tragic, and that's why we need the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when I came here, my family hadn't been that exposed to many cultures. Came to L.A., and, and, we're, and, and since 94, we've been enriched. Um, my, my daughter's married to a young man from Honduras. She speaks fluent Spanish. She loves Hispanic culture. She's skin color, white as the driven snow. But, but the United States is a, a, a 330 million people. I've challenged people who seem to self-loathe their own country, mm. seem to want to burn their own house down. It's not that America doesn't have sin. It's not that we can't be better. It's not that there's things that need fixed. That's true of every single country. That's right. But I dare anybody, and I challenge anybody, it's been my experience both having come here now a citizen and traveled the world, find me another country of 330 million people as integrated, as blended. It's a mosaic of the world. That's why a million people, Noah, come to the United States every year. Mm. I don't think they think we're racist because the majority of them are non-white. They wouldn't be coming if this was a country bent on white supremacy, which is a fallacy and a nonsense. They come because it's, a, it's an open culture. And if you come and work hard and, and, and do it according to the laws of the nation, you stand a really good chance of making something with your life. That's my testimony. It's not because I'm a white European. That's just a testimony of tens of millions of people. Let's get back to celebrating that, and let's find out where our fellow citizens are falling and feeling and make it good for them. Amen. And there's always going to be pockets of racism, but that is why, as you just said, you have people coming from south of the border. You have people coming from north of the border. You have people coming from overseas to this country because, in the end, it has always been the best place to come together, to mix culture, to share ideas, and to work together for a better society. I know nobody that does it better than America, and I don't think you're ever going to find a nation that does it better than we do it, Pastor. And uh, all these Hollywood stars that keep telling me they're leaving, going somewhere else, I kind of laugh and go, well, where are you going that's more diverse? Where, 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 where are you going to go to China, where, where it's mostly Chinese? You're going right. to go to Japan, where it's mostly Japan? This is, this is a mosaic. We've got work to do. But I'm reading a book by Booker. I challenge myself to read a book uh, about a greater African-American. I'm reading the life story of Booker Washington, Sleeve educator, started Tuskegee Institute. Yeah. He told his people, but I think we all need to hear it. Let's face forward. Forget, let, you know, if you get trapped in the past, you can't go forward. You can't go forward looking back. And, 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 and slavery is an evil, and, the, and, 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 and we need to work beyond it and grow beyond it. I think we are, but there may be more work to do. But let's face forward. Let's not stop. Let's not stop turning our backs on each other. Let's stop looking back. Let's unite as a country to to be as good as we can. But there will always be flaws. And pastor, there will always be failure because we are a fallen world, and mm. we await Jesus' return. 
Amen. We await him. And I, you know, he is the one that everybody can trust. And if you maybe are listening to this show and you don't know much about Jesus, I suggest opening the Bible, going to verse John 3.16. It's usually the best place to start if you ask me. Pastor, there's so much going on in the world, but I want people to know that there is hope in all of this. And we can really bind together as a community and love on one another and figure this out. Uh, part of it starts with turning off the the media, especially when it's the same thing over and over again, and just getting plugged into your community, getting plugged into your church, getting plugged into maybe some of the destroyed businesses out there that need help, and we can really sure. lay a new foundation and, and start anew. Yeah, man, you know, we're certainly not decimated around where I live, but I've encouraged our congregation to get out and abide. But here's, I want to piggyback off what you said, Noah. Look, biblically, peace is an inside job. Christians have known peace in the midst of tremendous challenges. The, 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 you know, Daniel knew peace in the lion's den. Paul sang hymns yep. in prison at midnight. And so we look out at not only our country right now, but at any time the world is full of unrest. But we can go to the God of peace who can give us the peace of God through Jesus Christ, who is our peace. And I just encourage your listeners and I encourage myself. I love Isaiah, you know, uh, as a 26 verse 3. God will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stead on him. So the world can be burning down around us, but we as Christians, through, through peace with God and through the peace of God, we can know something that's quite astounding. And so in some ways, these weeks have totally disturbed me, the way it has most people, and it's unsettled us and it's unnerved us. But I find myself, but when I get back into the Word and I focus on the throne of God and I focus on the Son of God and the promises of His Word, I, I find a peace, an inner strength, a knowledge, as the old hymn writer says, that it is well with my soul, and that's true peace. It's true peace, and we also have to not look back, as we, you, we, you and I were just talking about moments ago, it's also in the Bible that we need to look forward to solve these problems and not concentrate on the guilt that, yes, our nation might have come from, but we have advanced so much since then, and there is so much opportunity for every race, every creed, every gender in this nation, and we have a lot more similarities than we do differences. I agree. And, and not only look forward, but look up, because ultimately, you know, uh, you know I, want, I went to a church once, something, it just comes into my mind, I went to a, a church pastor for a while, it had, it, had, it had challenges in the past, and I remember talking to my friend, Dr. John MacArthur, he said, Philip, don't spend your time trying to tune everybody to, to, to each other, just preach Christ, and he gave me an analogy that, you know, uh, if you've got two or three pianos, you don't tune the pianos to the pianos. Hmm. You tune the piano to the tuning fork. And when you tune one piano to a tuning fork and another piano to a tuning fork, the two pianos are in tune to each other. And that's at the heart of the gospel. Amen. We'll not be right with each other until we love God. But once we love God, we'll love our neighbor as ourselves. And so... Uh, to those that are willing to listen, to those who are listening to us today, Noah, let's tune our lives to Christ and the Word of God and the will of God and our society will be the better of it and we'll wait ultimately until the true uh, tuner comes, Jesus Christ himself, and fixes history. 
Amen. That's my hope. Amen to that. Uh, Pastor Philip DeCorsi, before we run out of time, what's your current message at Kindred Community Church? I imagine it ties into what's going on in society. What? Well, yeah, I did. I did take a break uh, from a, for a series, and I did um, a series called uh, Statements of Faith, and we looked at some Psalms of Trust. I think that's being heard right now on the radio, but they can go to ktt.org. Do you know, to be honest, right now I'm in the Book of Ruth, and I've decided not to change that. I was tempted to kind of... But Ruth is about the day of the judges. Mm. It says, you know, in the day when the judges judged. And the Book of Judges is about anarchy. It's, it's about, um, you know, every man did what was right in his own eyes because there was no king in Israel. Yeah. And yet in the book of Ruth, we meet Ruth and Boaz. We meet excellent people. We meet God-fearing people. And the thesis, Noah, of, of Ruth, and I've just stuck with it because it's for our people, everyday faith in the midst of darkness is that which God honors. And, and I just, again, you know, um, we don't have a seat at the president's table uh, nobody's going to write much about you or me after this interview, but maybe you and me and our families and our friends, just everyday, everyday faith and everyday kindness and everyday neighborliness and everyday righteousness. Um, as Margaret Thatcher said, there are no societies. There's only singles and families. Mm. And if singles and families work together, our society becomes better. We've got to stop talking about society as if it's this, this kind of, uh, you know, so, uh, um, you know, entity in itself. America is made up of Americans, and if Americans become better in all categories, America becomes better. And so I love the book of Ruth, everyday faith, just Ruth and Boaz loving and marrying and working uh, amidst the background of darkness and division, and, and God blesses it. What about that for a message? Uh, I think that's spectacular. Start with yourself and your loved ones and your family. Do do your best, you know, people. It, it's all about also leading by example. People are going to see that, and people are going to want to emulate that, and suddenly your whole community, right. your your whole nation is on a much better path. Absolutely, and that's the tragedy of this. You know, the, 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 let's be honest, it is a fake media. They, have a, they pretend to be neutral, but they're not. But they're not, no. And they're throwing into our face on all platforms, and they're censoring good people, and they're giving the microphone to the divisive voices. Um, that's not good for our country. We need better examples. We need to be hearing from men and women every night on television calling us to unite uh, talking about what this country can become, moving past our past to a brighter future, instead of trying to, you know, burn the house down. That, that doesn't serve anybody. So I, I, I agree, uh, you know, uh, let's, let's be examples um, uh, to our neighbors uh, and where we can. Let's be good Samaritans. If you see someone today and need, help them. Speak a kind word. Mm. And, and uh, certainly we as Christians, we need, according to Philippians 2.16, we need to hold forth the word of life, and we need to be light in the darkness and be an example for Jesus Christ in the midst of a perverse generation. That's exactly what Jesus would do, and that's exactly what he would want us to do. So that's what we have to do, Pastor. Yep. City set on a hill that cannot be hidden. I mean, that's, I think, again, I mean, we've talked a bit about politics and national things. I'm, I'm up for that. God, God said to the people of Israel, you know, when, when I put you into exile, um, seek the welfare of the city. So my, my Christianity doesn't make me so 
otherworldly that I don't have a concern for politics and my nation and life. On the other hand, we are the church. The Greek is mm. ecclesia, called out. And, and that's our true calling. I'm, I'm actually just studying before I called you for a message tomorrow morning to our men online. And, and Paul Peter says to the church, um, he says, you are a holy nation and a royal priesthood and a special people. And, and I'm a Christian before I'm an American. I hope being a Christian makes me a better American. And that's right. But, but the church needs to be the holy nation within the nation. And we need to lead by example. We need to watch our words. We all need to kind of control our emotions. Uh, words are powerful. Maybe that's another thing, Noah. Proverbs reminds me. I've reminded myself, actually, because, you know, I, as I seek to be a man of God, um, you know, I, I, I struggle with it like everybody else. But there's life and death in the power of the tongue. And, and, you know, um, as a Christian, we should ask ourselves, we, Pastor, we should ask ourselves, hey, what, what I am saying, what I am doing, obviously we want to glorify God. Is it making anybody who's a non-believer watching us want to become a Christian that is in desperate need of a deeper relationship with God, or is it turning them the other way? Well put. And look, as much as I'm passionate about this nation, I think our listeners have heard it, I've got to also remind myself to dial back my opinions on politics mm. or on life, because sometimes I, I can get passionate about that, and that, that, that becomes an unnecessary barrier to the, to the real message I need to get across, whether a man is, you know, whatever color and stripe he is, my fellow Americans, apart from Jesus Christ, are dying without hope, and they're in That's danger right. of hell, yeah. and the gospel is the only remedy, and Jesus is the only way. So that's got to be my greatest passion, and sometimes I need to check myself that these other things don't occupy my mind and occupy my conversation, because at the end of the day, the church in America has one main passion, and that's to go into all the world and preach the gospel and disciple our neighbors, making them followers of Jesus Christ. And if we do that, I think we'll maybe solve more political issues and more societal problems I agree. than just talking about it and getting angry about it. I agree. We all get impassioned. I mean, it's definitely a delicate situation, but if you, you know, are cognizant and you, instead of just thinking with your emotions, you know, you, you use your head, you know, be a little bit and slower to let things yep. process. And when you do that and you dial it back, you can really see how to move forward and do what the Lord would have you to do. Or if you're not a believer, maybe start thinking about some deeper questions and how you can help your fellow man and maybe get closer to God along the way sure uh, you know the, the and, and uh, trials and troubles uh, are a means in God's hands it's what is that old C.S. Lewis quote you know that suffering is God's megaphone to the world to rise a deaf world mm. and so without justifying what's being done on the street and uh, the, the, the hurt that it's bringing and I think the unjust acts that they are Whatever's going on in our country, the trouble, the trial, the mayhem, God is using it as a megaphone, hopefully, to call the church to greater holiness, uh, to call our nation to greater unity. And, 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 and you know, and, and certainly, if you said, if there's someone listening who's not a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, 
um, and who despairs when they look out on the world, they need to understand from a Christian perspective, mm. you know what, this, this is what the Bible talks about, fallenness, sin, brokenness, man in rebellion to God. And, and until we make peace with God, we'll not know peace with each other. Yeah, this is definitely our sin nature, you know, overflowing. It, just by looking out there, that's, that's what I see. Uh, so let's take it back by loving one another and praying for one another and coming together. Sounds good to me. I'm up for that. All right, Pastor. God thing. That's right, man. Pastor Philip DeCourcy, uh, again, it's been an honor and a privilege having you on the show. I don't want another 20 years to pass no, where we have good. our next Talking interaction. Days. At least 10 years from now, let's have another conversation. Yeah, the goal is between <laughs> now and a decade, so we, so we have a lot of time to plan. Pastor Philip DeCourcy, Know the Truth, Kindred Community Church. You can catch the program, Know the Truth. It's going to be 6.30 in the morning to 7, and also 9.30 in the evening to 10, Monday through Friday here on K-Praise. My friend, thanks for stopping by, sharing your perspective. Godspeed, and be safe out there. Thank you, Noah, and the same to you on your listeners. And if any of the listeners want to contact with, be in contact with us, they can go to ktt.org. ktt.org for Know the Truth. Noah here on Across the County. Stay tuned. More coming up.